Okay, we're continuing our series, And God, and we did David and God for three weeks or so and uh, talked about his relationships with God and what he did. He's one of the high uh, standard setters in the Bible. Now we're going to go to Jacob and God, and we'll be doing a couple weeks with him, then we'll go on to some other folks and their relationships and what they teach us about how to have a relationship with God. And so we're in Genesis chapter 25 for our text today, Genesis chapter number 25 for our text. And the thing that I enjoy about the Bible, a lot of things I enjoy about the Bible, but one of the things I really enjoy is it does not spell everything out and say, here, just do what we tell you. And it doesn't do that. Sometimes it says, here's what happened, you figure it out. <laughs> and I like that because it requires more thought on our part. We have to consider possibilities and so forth. And the Bible uh, doesn't pull any punches. It tells the truth, here's what happened. And we think, man, that didn't go very well. Okay, all right, well, figure it out. Take a look at it and learn from it. And so uh, we come to uh, Jacob's life, and it's pretty uh, entangled in his mother and father's life and his brother's life. And so we're going to look at the beginning of that and then show you where it ends up. And each one of those people, his father is Isaac. Isaac is his father, uh, Rebecca is his mother, and he has a brother named Esau. Esau is the brother. We've got to talk about all of those because uh, it's very much true that many times we're, we're the sum total of our parents, aren't we? Uh, I always tell my kids, you're going to be just like your parents, whether you like it or not, huh? So. <laughs> Yeah. You, know, you may not like it, but get used to it, you know. They call me Odie by my father's name. Uh, I wear that badge with honor. Uh, somebody, somebody was talking about our church, and they said, that church over in East Shelby has gone rogue. <laughs> I loved it. I loved it. My father would have been so proud, so... <laughs> But here uh, in Genesis, we have the story of uh, Jacob and the people that surround him. And he's very much a product uh, of his family, and as we all in some way are. Um, you recall that the grandfather of them was Abraham. And Abraham... Uh, Abraham uh, was the friend of God. He was called a friend of God. And he's very famous in the Bible for listening to God and obeying whatever God said. And God said to Abraham, leave home. He said, where do you want me to go? He said, never mind, just leave. So he left, just like that. And most of us would not do that, would we? 
He said, you're going to tell me where I'm going? No, oh, no. He said, I just want you to leave. So he left. And uh, Abraham did those kind of things all the time, whatever God said. And one of the things that happened uh, is God said to him one day, take your son Isaac, that would be this gentleman, Jacob's father, take him and sacrifice him. Go up on the mountain and sacrifice him. And so Abraham said, okay. Just like that. You wouldn't have said that. I, I wouldn't have said that. God said to me, sacrifice your son. I said, nope. I ain't going to do it. But Abraham took the knife, took his son up, tied him up, laid him on an altar, and pulled the knife out. And he's just ready to kill him. And God says, well, wait a minute. <laughs> Whew. And, of course, uh, the Bible says that God promised that Isaac would be in the bloodline that would, of course, eventually lead to Christ. And so Abraham says, if you gave him to me and made that promise and you want me to kill him, then the only, the only other possibility is you're going to raise him from the dead, so I'll kill him. Just like that. It's a remarkable man, Abraham. Now, I understand that Isaac was not a little kid when that happened. He was a grown man, all right? He's a young man, but a grown man. And so Isaac went along with it, too. Now, if you say you're going to take your son who's 25 years old, I'm going to take you up and sacrifice you. You might say, not me, you're not. But Isaac went along with it because he also believed God. And so uh, the two of them uh, stand as a, that's a remark, one of the most remarkable things. And out of it comes one of those most famous sayings as they're walking up the hill. Uh, Isaac, the son, says to his father, Abraham, where's the lamb? <laughs> where's the lamb? And that would become the question of all ages, echoing down through, echoing down through time. Where's the lamb? Where's the lamb? Until finally... John the Baptist said, Behold, the Lamb of God. He's here now. He's here. So it's a very uh, amazing moment in history, and Isaac is in on that with his father Abraham. Now, we take it up now. Uh, Isaac has married a young lady called Rebecca, and they haven't had any children yet, and so we're going to take it up at Genesis 25, verse number 21. Isaac entreated the Lord for his wife because she was barren, and the Lord was entreated of him, and Rebekah his wife conceived. And the children struggled together within her, and she said, If it be so, why am I thus? And she went to inquire of the Lord. And the Lord said unto her, Two nations are in thy womb, two manner of people shall be separated from thy bowels, and the one people shall be stronger than the other people, and the elder shall serve the younger. And so we get Isaac and Rebekah in their earlier years, and they're doing just right, doing what they should do. Ask God for help. God, we haven't had children yet. We're asking you to provide. And so Isaac prays for children. And then once Rebecca has that baby in her, she said, I don't know what's going on in there, but it's a battle going on in there. And God said, okay, there's two in there, yes. They're going to be very different. They're 
You're not going to be the same. And he tells Rebecca that the, the older one will serve the younger one. The older will serve the younger one. That's what he tells her. All right. So, so far they've done good. They've talked with God, asked God. Everything looks good. And here we go. Verse 24. When her days were to be delivered, were fulfilled, behold, there were twins in her womb. And the first came out red, all over like a hairy garment. And they called his name Esau. And after that came his brother out, and his hand took hold on Esau's heel. His name was called Jacob. And Isaac was threescore, or that's 60 years old, when she bare them. And so first one they named Esau, which means... Uh, made or basically he's all grown up <laughs> he came out grown up he's all covered with hair uh he's an amazing little baby and the next one as uh, esau comes out there's a little hand on his heel and so they name him jacob uh, which means surplanter or uh, uh always uh struggling with his brother and she felt that inside of her. And the minute they're born, he's got a hold of Esau's heel. And so Esau says he's born grown up, all covered with hair. And Jacob was not. Verse 27. The boys grew, and Esau was a cunning hunter and a man of the field. And Jacob was a plain man dwelling in tents. And so this is the important part. Uh, Jacob... And Esau. Jacob, he says, was plain, it says in the Bible, and he lived in tents. Basically, like Isaac. Same life as Isaac. Esau, here on the other hand, he's a hunter. He's a, out in the wilds hunting and uh, chasing down game, and he's not interested in living with the sheep. Isaac was a shepherd, had large flocks. And so uh, Esau has flair. He's a hunter. He's got flair. He really is something to behold. He's got a storytelling way. And uh, he's also a little careless. Any good hunter is a little careless. Uh, he goes after things that you say, what are you doing? So he's careless a little bit and exciting. He's exciting. And because of that, he has the qualities of a leader. He's got flair. It's exciting to be around. Jacob, it says he was plain, uh, which I'm going to put the word humble here. He's plain. He's not got flair. He's not showing off. He's not trying to be something special. He just stays put where he is. Says he dwells in tents. That is, he tends to uh, business. There's a business of caring for sheep, and he tends to the business of his father's business and making his business. And so uh, they're very different. And one is exciting. And uh, uh, got flair, and the other one you might call him boring. 
kind of boring Jacob. Uh, and so <clears throat> they're very different. Verse 28. Isaac loved Esau because he did eat of his venison. But Rebekah loved Jacob. And everybody likes, most everybody likes a good cut of venison. I eat it all the time. I got no objection to people who like venison. All right? And he likes a good piece of venison. Now that's going to get to be a problem. All right, now here we come to the issue that we're interested in discovering. We've seen the characters now what's happened, but now we're into the issue. Here we go, 29. Jacob sod pottage. That is, he made stew, okay? And Esau came from the field, and he was faint. He's starving. He's hungry. And Esau said to Jacob, feed me, I pray thee, with that same red. Now, your Bible has pottage. Maybe it's in italics. That means it's not really in the text. Red. He said, give me the red. I want the red. And because the, what he was making uh, cooked up and looked red. I want red, I want red. For I am faint, therefore his name was called Edom. And so his descendants went by the name Edom, red. His name is Esau. He's all made, he's all finished when he's born, all grown up. And uh, his uh, family's descendants called Edomites, and they have the name Red. So he said, I want Red. Give me the Red stuff. Jacob said, sell me this day thy birthright. Now, a birthright uh, is a major issue in this, a birthright. Because he was born first. Not, not real long time first, all right? When his foot came out, the hand was holding his foot. So it wasn't like he was born years before. He was born a few seconds before, but he came out first. And so Esau, as the oldest, would get the birthright. And Jacob says, I want to be the man that holds the birthright. I want that birthright. Sell me your birthright. So what is the birthright? Well, as the oldest, he had certain privileges. And I guess kind of where it would end up is you become the family leader eventually. And you become the family leader. And that was always reserved, even in the time of Christ, for the oldest son. Always be the leader of the next generation, the leader of the family. And so Jacob says, I want that birthright that you got, because you were born first. I want it. I want you to sell it to me today. And Esau said, Behold, I'm at the point to die. What prophet shall his birthright do to me. He says, I'm going to die. So if I don't get that red pottage there you made, that red uh, stew, uh, I'm going to die of hunger. Now I'm sure he was hungry. I don't think he was going to die from it. But this is a guy <laughs> uh, 
He's intense. He comes in, I got to have that stew, and if I die of hunger, what good is my birthright? I'm dead before I ever get a chance to be a part of it. So uh, Jacob said, verse 33, swear to me this day. And he swore to him, and he sold his birthright unto Jacob. And Jacob gave Esau bread and pottage of lentils, right, like an onion soup. And he did eat and drink and rose up and went his way. And thus Esau despised his birthright. Now, when you think about this birthright, and we have a, just a plain, simple story. And we, if I ask a couple of questions, I want you to, to think about it. Uh, do you think this was spontaneous? Do you think Esau came in and then Jacob said, Hey, tell me your birthright. And that was the first time they ever thought about it. I don't think it's spontaneous. I think that Jacob has been thinking about this for a long time. So first of all, uh, Jacob is thinking about it, and he actually planned it. And so to get the birthright, Jacob makes a plan. He's got a plan. Now, how can you make a plan like this? How could you plan something like that? Well, you had to have seen it before, right? He's come in every time he goes hunting, probably. He goes, oh, I'm starving. What do you got to eat? You know? And that's Esau. You know? Go out and hunt until you can't even hardly move and then drag the deer all the way in and say, feed me, feed me, I'm starving. He's seen it happen, and so I got a plan. You know, make me some stew, have it all boiling, all smelling good. And when Esau comes, uh, because I know Esau, I know what he's going to do. So I'm going to make a plan, and the plan is I'm going to get the birthright. I'm going to be in charge of the family someday. And so I want the birthright. I want to be number one son. And he said, oh, what do I care? I don't care. Sheep. I hate sheep. I don't want to be a sheep, taking care of sheep, living in tents like you and dad. I don't want to do that. I'm not interested in that. Now, if that's all it was, let me ask you a question. Did Jacob do wrong when he just didn't say, hey, if you're hungry, brother, dig in? Did he do something wrong? Why, why wouldn't you just feed your brother? Ah, he's been thinking about it. Uh, was it wrong to withhold the stew and make that kind of bargain? Was it wrong to do that? Was it a plan? I don't have any doubt that it was a plan. All right. Now, here's the real question. Coming from Abraham through Isaac to 
the next generation was a God, promise from God. God said to Abraham, one of the things I want you to do is walk around Canaan. And wherever your foot touches, I'll give it to your descendant. And so Abraham wandered his whole life all around the land of Canaan and uh, claimed all of it for his family. And then uh, God said to Abraham, I'm going to give you a family so big that it's like looking up the stars and trying to count the stars in the sky. Or it's like looking at the sand on the seashore and counting every little bit of sand. You're going to have a huge family. At that time, he didn't have Isaac even when God told him that. And so, uh, of course, he believed God. And then God said to him, and one more thing, from your family, every family on earth will be blessed. From your family. All right. Every family on earth. Now that's quite a thing. See, getting the land of Canaan, well, that's nice for your descendants. We got you a little property. We walked around and claimed it all. That's good. You're going to have a big family, and he did. In a few generations, it would be a, up over a million. All right, he did. But it's that last one. Your family, Abraham, is going to bless every family on earth. Now, you understand that what that was, was Jesus. Jesus is descendant of Abraham and Isaac, all right, and he is in that family line, and Jesus blessed every family on earth like nobody else could do or had the ability to do. And so he's, when he says to Abraham, you know, bless every family because through your family. That's a big deal. That's an important thing right now. The birthright means you're the next in that line. Okay? Esau had the birthright. So, it's not just, okay, I don't want to tend sheep for a living. I'm going hunting. You keep the sheep. I don't live in tents. I sleep out under the open sky. That's how I live, all right? If that's all it was, then yeah, okay, who cares? But it was a whole lot more than that. And so the question is, has to do with the birthright first. Uh, how much do you value things of God. There's the question of the night. How much do you value the things of God? Well, what do you mean by the things of God? Well, uh, salvation, something that comes from God. How much is that worth to you? <laughs> if you get nothing else from God, that's worth more than anything you could get anywhere else. How much 
as it were to do the will of God in your life? What's that worth to you? How much do you value doing the will of God in your life? And would you do it at any cost because it's so valuable? How much do you value church? What does it mean to you? Is it something that God's asking us to do and so we do it? Or is it just something when we get time on Sunday, unless we're busy, we go? <laughs> and so it's a whole different question. How much is it worth to you? How valuable is it to come to church, listen to God's word, be with God's people? Is it priceless to you? Can we keep you away? Can't keep me away. I'm going to be here. So that's the question. How valuable are the things of God? And Esau, I'm sure that as these boys grow up, Isaac said, well, here's the promise. God made the same promise to Isaac. And so as they're growing up, he tells them, look, you know, our family may not be very big. There's only two boys in this family. But our family is going to bless every family on earth. We've been promised that by God. And what does Esau say? Hey, I don't care about that. I'm going hunting. I got to go hunting. So I don't want it even. I don't care about that. And so it says he despised his birthright, or that is, thing that was probably the most important thing. And so, it's, of course, a couple of things. When uh, Jacob values the birthright, he says it's worth getting. He values that birthright. He's thinking about it, see? I, I want that. I want it. And the more he thinks about it, I think I can get it from Esau. Get him a little stew. He don't care about the things of God. He doesn't care about the birthright. So I want it. I want to get it. Now, was he wrong keeping food from his brother? Well, it worked. <laughs> That's the question. Was it right or was it wrong? Do you think if he went to Esau and said, I want, I want your birthright, and he wasn't hungry? I don't think so. Yeah, he just say, yeah, I'm not giving you that. But if he's starving and, and you got a nice pot of stew. Well, I preached this 30 years ago. And I put a crock pot on that table and filled it up with venison. I let it cook during my sermon. People say, you're driving me crazy with that. Yeah. That's what I did. I wanted to, you to... Ooh, that smells good, <laughs> like Esau. All right. And so Esau said, I don't care about that birthright stuff. You can have it. So how much do you value the things of God? And Jacob, what does it mean? Well, one of the things Jacob is looking at is the future, right? He's looking off into the future. It's not for today. 
That birthright really isn't much today, like Esau said. Esau looks at today. What do I got today? I want stew today. That's all I need, all right? Uh, also, uh, Esau looks at the things you can see. And Jacob looks at things that are unseen. You can't see them. You can't see how God's going to bless every family on earth. You don't know that. You don't know how that's all going to work out. But you know that it's in some far off distant future and it's valuable to you. And so the question is to you, is it just do we live for today? Are we just want what we want today? Or are we looking into the future and saying what's God's want in the future? What is that? God have for me in the future. And so that valuing the things of God has a lot to do with that point of view that Jacob obviously had. He's going to get that birthright. And he got it. And he outsmarted his brother. Well, yeah, pretty much. I think he did. I think he outsmarted his brother. But he values the things of God and the way he went about it, well, I don't know. Usually the things of God have a lot to do with the future more than the present. If you think about that. Think about that. We're living our little lives down here on this earth, doing the best we can and going through day by day. Uh, look in the future. Wow. Look in the future when Jesus comes to the earth, if we're still here. If we're not, we're going to go to heaven. It's just the future is so much better than the present. And so we learn that God's things are held in reserve for us. Do we, do we own them now? Well, yeah, but they're not in our hand. We got a deed to the property, but we can't go on it yet. Okay, but that's coming. That's coming now. Over to chapter twenty-seven. Here we're going to go again. There's another issue comes up with mom and dad and brother and Jacob. Chapter twenty-seven of Genesis it came to pass when Isaac was old, his eyes were dim that he could not see. He called Esau, his eldest son, said unto my son. He said unto him, Behold, here I am. And he said, Behold, now I'm old. I know not the day of my death. And of course, nobody knows that till it comes. Okay, uh, for uh, Isaac here, who's doing the talking, he wouldn't die for another forty-three years. So he kind of miscalculated. All right, kind of miscalculated. But, you know, who knows? Now, therefore, take, I pray thee, thy weapons, thy quiver, and thy bow. Go out into the field and take me some venison. Make me savory meat, such as I love. And bring it to me that I may eat it, that my soul may bless thee before I die. I, <laughs> like I said, I like venison. There's nothing wrong with liking venison. But Isaac, why didn't you say, I got something really important I want you to know. Something I want to do for you. 
So let me sit down and explain this to you. He said, nah, I'd rather get some venison. So get me some venison. And then we'll talk. And you get me some nice venison. Right, now, here's the problem. There's two things. The firstborn would have the birthright. That is, he'd be the family leader. He's already thrown that out. He doesn't care about it. The second thing that happened is a blessing. Now, this was true in the Bible, through a lot of the Bible, uh, that the father, before he died, would gather his family together and bless them. And it was more than just saying, good luck, I hope you do well, here's my money, don't spend it all in one place. That's not what it was. It was God's speaking to the next generation. And so God would say to Abraham, you tell Isaac that his family will bless the whole earth, just like I told you. Now Isaac supposed to say, hey, if I give you this blessing, your family will bless the whole earth. But he doesn't. He said, give me some venison. Get your bow and arrow. Go out and get me venison. I want venison. Then we'll talk about this other thing, this blessing. So the blessing was more than just dad saying, okay, good. It was actually God telling dad, here's what's going to happen to your son. And it becomes a big deal uh, eventually in the Bible. The last words of dad are a really big deal. Jacob, his last words, there's several chapters as he talks about his sons. And uh, uh, Jacob is going to bless his grandsons. And so uh, Joseph brings his two sons, Ephraim and Manasseh, and he says, here's the older one, here's the younger one, so bless them appropriately, and Jacob goes like this. No, wait, wait, he said, you got your hands wrong. He said, no, I don't. My hands are right. I'm going to bless one more than the other. And Ephraim gets a larger blessing than Manasseh because it's actually God telling what's going to happen in the future. And so this blessing is a big deal. And Isaac says, give me some venison, and we'll talk about it. Verse 5. Rebekah heard when Isaac spoke to Esau, his son. And Esau went to the field to hunt for venison and to bring it. So mom overheard. Rebekah said to Jacob, her son, saying, Behold, I heard thy father speak unto Esau, thy brother, saying, Bring me venison and make me savory meat that I may eat and bless thee before the Lord, before my death. That's a big deal. Therefore, my son, obey my voice according to which I command thee. And so she says to him, go get us a, a, a goat. Well, dad wants venison. He'll never know the difference. We'll cook a goat up with savory uh, gravy. He'll never know the difference. Bring it to me. And then, verse 10, you shall bring it to thy father. He may eat. He may bless you before his death. 
And Jacob said to Rebekah, Behold, Esau, my brother, is a hairy man, and I'm a smooth man. But what if Dad reaches out and says, Come here, come here, come up close to me, and he feels my smooth arm and my smooth neck and my smooth hands. He goes, No, I'm not Esau. And if I, if I try to fool him, I could end up worse off. Verse 12, my father preventure will feel me and I shall seem to him as a deceiver. Bring a curse on me, not a blessing. So <coughs> she says, well, <coughs> here's what we're going to do. We're going to do a couple things. First of all, I got Esau's coat. You're going to wear Esau's coat. So you smell like a, a wild man. All right? Then you, we're going to bring you some skin. When you kill that goat, bring the skin to me. I'm going to make a pair of gloves, and they're going to fit over your hands from goat skin. All right? And so uh, then you go in, and we'll see how it goes. Verse 18. He came to his father and said, My father, and he said, Here I am, who art thou, my son? And Jacob said unto his father, I am Esau, thy firstborn, I have done according as thou badest me. Arise, I pray thee, sit and eat of my venison, that my soul may bless me. And Isaac said to his son, How is it you have found us so quickly, my son? <laughs> he said, It takes longer than that to get a deer. Come on. Because the Lord thy God brought it to me. Okay. And Isaac said to Jacob, Come near, I pray thee, that I may feel thee, my son, whether thou be my very son Esau or not. Sure enough. You're going to rub him over and see how he is. Jacob went near to Isaac, his father, and he felt him. And he said, the voice is Jacob, but the hands are the hands of Esau. Now, see, he's a little leery. He's a little leery. Esau, let me feel your hand. Your voice sounds like Jacob. He's blind. He can't see. That's why he's got to feel and so, uh, give me your hands. Well, he got goat skin over him. He feels all rough. And oh, Sure enough, I think that's Esau. Verse 23, he discerned him not because his hands were hairy as his brother Esau's hands. So he blessed him. And he said, watch this, art thou my very son Esau? And he said, I am. What do you call that? That's a lie. Let's see if there's any more. He said, bring it near to me and I will eat of my son's venison that my soul may bless thee. And he brought it near to him and he did eat. And he brought him wine and he drank. He thinks he's eating venison. Lie number two, he's eating a goat. And his father said, Isaac (laughs) said unto him, come near now and kiss me, my son. He came near and kissed him and he smelled the smell of his raiment and blessed him. And said, see, the smell of my son is as the smell of the field, as the Lord God is blessed. Now, here's the blessing. Therefore, God, give thee of the dew of heaven, the fatness of the earth, the plenty of corn and wine. Let people serve thee and nations bow down to thee. Be Lord over thy brethren. And let thy mother's son bow down to thee. Cursed be everyone that curses thee, and blessed be everyone I bless thee. So, he got the blessing. Right or wrong? Wrong, wrong, wrong. 
Is it God's method to lie? Not at all. God's method to deceive? Mother and him were pretty clever. I got to say, they were pretty clever. If he could, she could have stole Esau's voice, she would have done that. But she couldn't. The only thing she couldn't steal. So was he wrong? There's no question. He's outright lying to his father over and over and over again. He's, yes, I'm Esau. So Isaac gives him the blessing. All right. (laughs) Here we go. Of course, by now he's got a deer. He brings it. Verse 32. Isaac, his father, said, And who art thou? He said, I'm thy son, thy firstborn Esau. And Isaac trembled very exceedingly. Wait a minute. Esau just left. Who? Where is he that taketh venison and brought it to me? And I've eaten all before thou camest and have blessed him. Yea, and he shall be blessed. When Esau heard the words of his father, he cried with a great, exceeding bitter cry. Said to his father, Bless me even me also, O my father. He said, Thy brother came with subtlety and hath taken away thy blessing. He got it. I can't change it. It wasn't just my whim. I'm doing what I'm supposed to do. I'm blessing. And he lied and he got it. He stole it. Verse 36. Is not he rightly named Jacob? Cheater. That's what Jacob meant. Cheater. For he has supplanted me, stole from me these two times. He took away my birthright, which he despised anyway. And behold, he hath taken away my blessing. And he said, Hast thou not reserved a blessing for me? And Isaac answered to Esau, Behold, I have made him thy Lord, all his brethren I have given him for servants. With corn and wine have I sustained him. What shall I now do to thee, my son Esau? And Esau said to his father, Hast thou but one blessing O my father? Bless me, even me also, my father. And Esau lifted up his voice and wept. There is a point where we go too far. And that's very much the point here. Hebrews, book of Hebrews, in the back of your Bible, chapter number 12. Hebrews chapter number 12. comment here that Paul makes about Esau, about what we're just talking about, very same thing. Because it's meant to be a lesson for everybody that believes in God. Hebrews chapter 12. After Timothy, Titus, Thessalonians, Timothy, Titus, Hebrews, Hebrews chapter 12, verse 16. Lest there be any fornicator or profane person as Esau, who for one morsel of meat sold his birthright. He calls him profane, which is the word that we would use for he is not interested in spiritual things at all. 
He's only interested in the world around him and what the world is going on. That's what he's interested in. He's not interested in the future, in the promise of God to the family. He's not interested in that. He's profane. He prefers hunting and running down a deer, and uh, that's what he'd rather do. All right, so he sold his birthright, verse 17, for you know how that afterwards, when he would have inherited the blessing, he was rejected, for he found no place of repentance, though he sought it carefully with tears. He begged his father, bless me, you gotta bless me, bless me, please bless me. Couldn't get it. Now we'll look at what Isaac said in a minute. But the point being is that if you don't value the things of God and start storing them up, right? Jesus said what? Uh, don't put treasures on earth. Put your treasures up in heaven. That's where the valuable things of life need to be stored. Right? So Jesus said, do that. And if you... Keep all your treasure down here on earth. You never put anything up in heaven. You never store away for the future, the unseen things. You'll reach a point of no return. You can't get it back. And that's what he says about Esau. He thought he could still get a blessing. You can't. You waited too long. You threw out the birthright like it was a piece of garbage. You didn't even care. You'd rather have a pot of stew than that birthright. You didn't value it at all. And so that lack of eyesight to see its value has put you now in a position where you can't be blessed. And so if we're going to lay up treasures in heaven and do like Jesus told us to, we've got to get started on that. Because there is a point where it's too late. Where it's too late. And that's the warning of Esau here. He said he loved to get a blessing, but he didn't. Because he was too late. He didn't value the things of God in time. And so that, that crisis came too late. Now, let's see what Isaac did back here because he did say something to Esau verse 39 now Genesis 27 Isaac his father answered and said unto him behold thy dwelling shall be the fatness of the earth and of the dew of heaven from above by thy sword shalt thou live and serve thy brother shall come to pass when thou shalt have dominion thou shalt break his yoke from off thy neck. Alright. So. said so your brother. You're going to have to serve your brother. It's the way it is. But it's very interesting. Now the one back there. Uh, is verse 28. Here's what he said to Jacob. Therefore God give of thee the dew of heaven. And the fatness of the earth. Now look what he says. Down here. In 39. Isaac his father. Behold thy dwelling shall be the fatness of the earth. And of the dew of heaven from above. Just switched around exactly. So he says to Jacob, Hey, he says, Heaven is first with you. 
That's where your blessing will come from heaven. You'll also be blessed on earth, but that's first. And so there's your blessing. Now Esau comes along. I want a blessing. I want a blessing. Well, you get the earth because you didn't value heaven. You didn't think it was important. So I can give you the earth, but only secondary in your life is heaven. And you, you, you threw it away. You threw it away. There's a couple things to think about here that I think are also very interesting. Isaac and Rebekah, when we first see them in the beginning of this passage, they're praying to God. Isaac prays, dear God, we need children. God says, okay, there you go. And she says, tell me about these two boys. And she gets the explanation. Now, think about this. When it was time for a blessing, and she overhears Isaac, dad, say to Esau, go give me some venison and I'll bless you. All right, she overhears that. Was there another way to do it besides making a liar out of Jacob? I think so. There certainly was another way to do it. After all, when she had those two babies inside of her, God said what? There's a, there's a struggle in you. It's going to turn into two warring brothers and two warring families and two warring nations, he says. And uh, the older will serve the younger. They knew that before he was born. Before they were born. So, why doesn't Rebekah go into Jacob and, or Isaac and say, hey, before you bless him because you like his venison, before you bless him, why don't you remember and think about what God said? God said that the older one was going to serve the younger one. I think she could have done that, and I think Isaac would have come to his senses, probably. All right, And so I think it could have been avoided. There's a way to do the will of God without cheating and lying and stealing. But in the will of God, a lot of times there are people who say, well, I want the reward, I want the birthright, I want the blessing, but I'll live any old way I feel like living. Okay? And it is always, if you're going to do the will of God, you're going to have to live a holy life. You have to straighten your life out and live a holy life. And, be, and nobody's perfect, right? I'm not perfect. I make mistakes. I do things I know I shouldn't do. And we all do that, all right? But we got to get our act together and say, look, if you're going to do the will of God, you don't lie and cheat steal and sneak around like that and her mother should have known and she should have found a better way to handle it and Jacob should have said I'm not lying to my father and gone in and said look before I was born God said this 
So if you give him that, you made a mistake. There was another way to do it. They didn't do it that way. All right, so in valuing God's will and doing things that God wants done and valuing the things of God and the things of the kingdom, uh, it means we got to live a life according to those things. And so, yeah, he was wrong in the second time. The first time, I think he outwitted his brother because his brother just didn't care. And it wasn't even an issue. He could just, you could tell him anything. Here, eat that, and he's, what do I care? And it was, so Esau failure is monumental because he didn't care about the things that matter. Jacob did, but he went about it the wrong way. I think the saddest part of the story is in the beginning, Isaac and Rebekah asked God, got God's blessing, got information from God, they're doing good. By the end of life, they're not doing so good. She's making her son into a deceiver and a liar. And old Isaac says, I want venison. Before I give you that uh, blessing thing, I want savory meat. So the sad tragedy is that spirituality in our lives don't be deceived and think, well, the older I'll get, the more spiritual I'll be. Don't think that. Because it can go just the other way. And what we see with uh, Isaac and Rebekah is that they did good in the beginning. After all, his father almost sacrificed him. Yeah, he did real good. All right? But as they get older, it gets less and less and less and less spiritual until they're cheating and lying and worried about that venison on that plate more than the blessing of God. And so there is a waning power in them that comes with their age. And that's a sad tragedy. I've seen people get older and say, ah, I'm old enough now so it don't matter. So I won't see, I remember people said to me, I won't see you in church because I'm too old. Well, I have had people here that were too old. I agreed. I said, yeah, you're right. You're, you're not in good shape. I don't expect you to be here. I had other people that weren't too old. And when I saw them whipping around Walmart, it <laughs> no, that's true. They told me, one day, we're just not going to be here now. We're too old. And then I saw him that week in Walmart. And I thought to myself, wait a minute. Talk about a waning spirituality. You know, the older you get, the less you need to do for God? I don't think so. I don't think so. And so uh, this is a tragic part of this story is that the older they got, the worse they got, not better. It got worse. And so that's a very uh, tied into the message there. If this is valuable, it's valuable till the day you die. 
It's priceless until the day you die. You live for it until the day you die. Don't say, well, I don't know. If you give me some medicine, I can think better. No, no. So I think that valuing the things of God is very much the theme. Jacob values it. He goes about it wrong, but he still values it. That's important in his mind. I got to get that. And he gets both the birthright and the blessing because of it. All right? You say, well, he didn't do too good, though. No, he didn't. But he knew that it was worth something, that it was worth more than other things. I had to get it. So, Part of living with God is honoring the things of God and saying, these are precious to me. These are valuable to me. These are the things I want to spend my life doing. And then we'll have it right. Next week we'll go on to Jacob and see whether he plunges like mom and dad or does he go up We'll see. See what he does next week. Thank you.